the latest and the greatest edition of the podcast that just don't know how to stop. It is the Loftus Party. How's it going, everybody? You got Michael over here now. Lock and load, everybody, because uh, the gypsy has changed locations. I do believe she's at a little thing called CPAC. How's it going, Gimlet? It is going fine. I am in beautiful Orlando. It's sunny. It's warm. It's beautiful. I love it. I bet you do. I bet you do. Wearing shorts. Yeah. Rocking the short shorts. Rocking the rocking the booty shorts at CPAC. I, I, I'm not at CPAC right now. Oh, well, you're at you're at your hotel, right? I'm at the hotel. Yes. We decided to watch the festivities for today from the live stream because there were some issues yesterday that we were afraid would be worse. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Well, we got we to gotta, we gotta dip into that in a little bit, but here's what's going on. We, as we record this uh, on Sunday afternoon, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Donald J. Trump is speaking this afternoon at like 3 o'clock, 3.30, I believe. 3.40, so, I believe, yes. 3.40, okay. So I can see why uh, you'd want to avoid, it seems like it's going to be a, a big crowd, and I think it's it's fantastic programming. For CPAC, I mean, what a giant moment this is to have, you know, because Trump getting kicked off of Twitter and getting kicked off of YouTube and getting kicked off of, you know, just deep platform left and right. So he's been on Elba like uh, like Napoleon. And now here he is again. And networks are going to have to cover it. I, I, I have to think that. Oh, I coverage, think the meltdown will be epic. I, and I wish. Uh, I, I wish, I wish I could time travel and see what he said and we could comment on that. We can only speculate at this point, but, uh, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I, I think it has to be, it's just, it's just a lightning rod and it's good for CPAC. You know, it's like, I remember when you and I were there, uh, mm-hmm. many moons, many moons ago and, uh, Sunday, not the most exciting day. Not the most exciting day in CPAC. A lot of people had already left, no. yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But people are staying. People are staying. They're bringing in the big closer. They're bringing in Trump well, on they, Sunday. They kind of shifted it this year. Yeah. So Friday was Thursday. Or Thursday was Friday. Saturday was Friday. And so what's going on now would traditionally happen on Saturday. Fantastic. So okay. shifted the whole thing back one. Okay, so we got we got a huge show for you guys this week. Just to let you know, we got uh, comedian uh, Tracy Skeen. We have comedian Brian McKim. We're going to be talking with them about Vegas, about the nature of comedy, where we are, where things are going. It's a it's a great interview. Later on, we'll have uh, what's on the web with uh, with Paul, and then of course there's going to be the extras over on Patreon. But this block. Is all about the uh, the the politics and the pop culture and and CPAC. We got to talk about that. What happened yesterday that made you not want to go back today? So I had to go out to the front of the hotel to take a phone call because I refused to take a phone call with a mask on. Okay, I I can so I dig had it. To be outside. Yes. So. My buddy Jeff and I are outside, and we're we're taking a call with our editor, and. All of a sudden, there's trikes and monster trucks and Lee Greenwood blaring. 
Um, okay. You know the song "I'm Proud to Be an American." I know it. Played at a lot of Trump Trump rallies. Yeah. Every Fourth of July. And they're just like circling around in front of the hotel and then coming up into the into the concourse for the hotel. And there's a bunch of people down on the corner with F Biden flags um, spelled out in front of the hotel that CPAC was in, except they were not attending CPAC. So there's like cheerleaders. They're like, hey, we got we got the attitude. We got the vibe. F Biden. There was a let's go. Trump 2020 float. Okay. And it's just, it's just so freaking loud and so freaking, I'm like, okay, people, yes, I see you're having a lot of fun, but can we just not be a cliche, please? <laughs> so that made and you so, not want to go back today? That there was like too much? Like just too well, much? no. So then, then elbows me and goes, holy shit, look over there. And there's the Black Lives Matter flag with the F Trump flag. And I'm like, oh, here we go. Uh, I love it. I love it. And so in between, there's a, there's a, what do you call it? A median, right? Yes. And it's a median with a little hill and there's trees because it's Orlando. So it's very, very agriculturally beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And on that median is like 20 cops on bicycles because yes. the Black Lives Matter people were across the street. And the Trump people are in front of the hotel, and there's cops just looking back and forth, making sure they never get near one another. So a fight broke out, and the cops arrested everybody, and what happened, what happened, no. what happened? No, So then we went to lunch, so we're down the street, and I'm scrolling through Twitter, right? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Why was there all that set up? Why was there well, all no, that no, so I'm You can't do you. that! So I'm there's Trump you. people on one side. There's Black Lives Matter on the other. The cops are in the middle. What happened? What happened? So I go to lunch. <laughs> what? What? I go to lunch, and I'm sitting there scrolling through my Twitter, and there's Jorge Ventura Media, and then this huge monster truck with a Trump wrap comes rolling up in front of the hotel, and you have to guess who got out of it. I think I know. I I think I know the answer to this, but I don't want to bite on your punchline. Who? Stone. Who? Roger Stone. Oh, okay. I was right. <laughs> I was and right. And he's there in his freaking gray suit and with his sunglasses on, sticking his tongue out at people. I'm like, this is not really happening. I saw. The, I saw a video attending. of him dancing. I saw a video of him dancing. dancing. Some guys rapping, and yet, mm-hmm. He's dancing, and the people across the street are losing their effing minds because Roger Stone is supposed to be in jail. So the Black Lives Matter people are angry now? Oh, yeah, because he's just taunting them. Okay, so then was so, there a fight? So <laughs> there were cops in the middle. Nobody was going to touch anybody. So we come walking back, and all of a sudden there's this flood of people coming towards us. Roger Stone's at the head of them. They're all taking pictures and it's like CNN and a bunch of leftist media. I'm like, he didn't even come to the conference. I'm just like, stop. So then regular (laughs) attendees ended up leaving. What? And you have, 
regular attendees are leaving the conference to leave for the day later. Oh, okay. And I'm scrolling. Okay. I'm, I'm still in the building because we're packing up all of our sound equipment and all this other stuff. And these older, the, the Black Lives Matter people approach these older gentlemen. I mean, they're probably in their late 60s or 70s. They're just regular conference attendees. And they have this exchange back and forth, which I'm assuming is political, because the guy says, well, if you love that so much, just go to Cuba. He wasn't telling a Cuban person to go back to Cuba. He was telling them, if you love communism, go live where they have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now this poor old man is all over the Twitterverse going, ooh, look at this racist telling this guy to go back to Cuba. No, that's not what he said. <laughs> so, so, <sighs> I still don't see the problem. I still, here's, no, I just, I got to walk you through it from my perspective. I'm like, so you're not going to go to go back to CPAC. And you're like, no, something happened yesterday. And I'm like, oh, crap. Oh, but the- no, no, that happened. And I think it'll be worse today because Trump is going to be there. OK, so well, yesterday they were not letting anybody who did not have a badge for CPAC or a room key into the hotel. No one. No one could go to their restaurants. No one could go to the bars. My father got there at eight o'clock this morning. He's like, security is worse. Then at National Harbor, I'm like, yeah, I'm not dealing with that. Nope, nope, nope. There you go. Okay, so in a (laughs) nutshell, it's just a madhouse. It's just a madhouse. It's a madhouse, and I imagine the group that was on the other side of the street will be much larger today. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Gimlet, you got to go back and you got to listen to this episode because there was so much wind up. There was so much set up. We're like, (laughs) we're just like. We, I need I need more payoff at the end. That's like, such a great setup. You're like, like the, there's Trump people on the one side, and then the, the Black Lives Matter people are on the other side. Now you got a bunch of cops in the middle of the street. So we go to lunch. I'm just, it's just, it's no. It was no. perfect. Just leave me alone. <laughs> All right. So it's a matter. But anyway, my whole my whole thing is just this. So I'm inside the conference, and I'm talking to people. And I'm watching the speeches and everybody's happy and everybody's smiling. And there are people there of all ages, all races, all genders, just having a good time. And you go outside and it looks like a shit show. And of course, that's the only thing they put on television. Of course. Of course. Now, which leads me to this that I was going to ask you anyway. Uh, I saw one of the other big things that I saw coming out of CPAC. I, I saw a picture of like. Somebody had a statue of Trump. Oh my God! That that is that is looks like it's golden, uh, but he's wearing red, white, and blue underwear, and they're rolling this. uh, uh, Okay, bathing suit, but they're Mm -hmm. rolling it somewhere. Where is is that thing set up there? Um, there... That was that was somebody down in CPAC Central where all the vendors are and the publications and all the like. You know. not-for-profit organizations like Heritage and all those people. So they have a big, a big like showcase in the con- convention center. Yeah. So that was part of somebody's display in the convention center. But your writer, Cranky Gordon, was here. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw the thing live and in person. Right. So they took it out before I ever saw it. But Cranky Gordon found it. And Cranky found us in a bar. Okay, imagine that. <laughs> Things like that happen. Yes. And so Cranky comes up to our, no, we were actually at an event. I'm sorry. 
so Cranky joins us at the event, and he comes up and okay, goes. Okay, I ha- hold on, hold on, hold on. I have to stop you right there. I-, I think that's so beautiful. I have to celebrate that moment. I have to celebrate that moment. It what? could have been. It could have been a bar. It could have been an event. You're. It's, you're like, I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I love. I love. Love. Love that it's so interchangeable. That it's so interchangeable. So we're in a bar and at nope, a bar. It, it could have been an event. Bar at the event. All I know is I was hammered, and Cranky Gordon showed up. Okay, so what happened? Because I found the statue. And we're okay. like, really? He's like, yes, I took a picture. And so he shows us the picture. And there's him kneeling. He, he's literally kneeling in front of the statue. That's hilarious. Like paying it homage. That's hilarious. Right? And then he goes, yeah, and all these reporters started taking pictures of me. And some guy from Getty asked me for my name. So I gave it to him. And we're like, no, you did not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like. And he's totally deadpanning it. Like, he's 100% serious. And finally, one of the girls just looks at him. She goes, you're, you're lying. You're lying. You did not do that. You're going to get fired. And then he just lost it. He had us going for 15 minutes that he was going to end up with his picture in the freaking Guardian kneeling before the Golden Trump statue. Now, hold on. There, I have seen a picture of someone kneeling in front of the Golden Trump. Where? Uh, on Twitter. I've seen it in multiple places. Oh, no. Yeah, and I didn't know if it was Photoshopped or if it was the real thing. But I'm like, talk about, it's hilarious. It's hilarious to us. It's hilarious to us. That is a high-quality joke. It's a high-quality joke and had to be done. (laughs) However, that's going to be. That's out on Twitter? Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. I saw it in a couple places. I don't. I didn't know. I didn't You'll know it was it. Frank. I think the it's guy's wearing. Like an, I think the guy's wearing like an orange or a red windbreaker or something. Oh, maybe it was. Maybe somebody else did it too. I don't uh, remember what Cranky was listen. wearing. I just know I almost had a heart attack when he told me he gave his name to a photographer from Getty. Well, the, <laughs> like, the, the no, the you joke, did not. The, I mean, the joke is the joke is right there. The joke is right there. However, whoever. Who it sounds like a real like Lincoln Project kind of thing to do, to uh, go. Oh, we're gonna do this this golden statue like the golden calf, you know, from from the Old Testament, and we're gonna have this thing in CPAC. And oh, look at them! They wish they they worship this false idol of Trump, and and that picture, the picture of someone rolling that through the halls of CPAC is everywhere. So that's what, you know, the, the spin on this thing from, from legacy media and, and the mainstream media is like, oh, that's legit, that's legit. And, you know, it was oh, it it's, wasn't legit. But it's a never Trumper who made that thing. And I think it's I know. It's funny. It's funny to have somebody like pretending to kneel at it. But yeah, that 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 <laughs> picture is out there. And I think yeah. I think there's quite a few gullible people in America who be like, see, this is what they do at CPAC. This is what they do. Okay, I gotta, yeah. I gotta continue on. Uh, so, who's, who are some of the standouts? How many? Uh, I, I saw exactly, exactly who you would expect. Really? Okay, I saw. DeSantis, I saw DeSantis nailed it. Really? Oh, he nailed it. I got. Here's, here's what I want to say. Ah, you're not going back today. You're not going back today. I would love to talk to i don't know who match lap has 
and I don't know who Fox Nation has or who ha- who's doing the technical side of it. Uh, I don't think that the uh, audience has been miked enough. You can hear people cheering, you can hear people clapping, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. I think they got the they've got the sound so good on the speaker. You need more. You need more sound. You need more audience shots and and stuff like that. The DeSantis thing, I watched a, a hunk of DeSantis, and I'm like, okay, let's see what this guy does. This is kind of a moment for him. You know, it's it's CPAC's great for mm-hmm. for the right. It's it's a it's a good event, and I think they should really think about doing it. Maybe maybe have like a little uh, CPAC alusa, just another thing to. It's a huge shot in the arm for people who mm-hmm. who lean right. You might want to do two of those a year. Have a little CPAC Junior. But anyway, I thought. Maybe my expectations were too high for DeSantis, but I kind of thought, eh, I'll give him an eight. I'll give him an eight on that. I thought he was going to be up at a, like a nine or a ten, but I thought it was okay. Um, did you see Bongino? No, I missed that one. Bongino did well. That guy's gifted. Yeah. That dude is gifted. No, he's he's definitely – I watched part of his later um, because I was back on the live stream to catch some quotes and stuff. Um, no, he's a gifted or- orator. Yeah. Um, Let's see who who else. Uh, Christy Nome, I thought did a fantastic job. Okay. And plus, she's just hot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm a fan. I thought um, Mike Pompeo did a good job. Okay. Didn't um, see Mike. Didn't see Mike. And here's my thing: in 2016. I probably agree with Ted Cruz on 95% of stuff. Yeah. In 2016, I felt like he was a preacher in my church. And every time he spoke, I felt like I was being preached at by a lawyer. Yes. That's that's a good description of the vibe. Super annoying. So then he kind of got his mojo on and he started doing the podcast and he let his sense of humor show and so I had really high expectations that this was going to be a different presentation of Ted Cruz. Now he needs a volume button. Yeah. Because he just yelled the whole time. <laughs> I'm like, down a well, notch, dude. Down a notch, dude. Here's the, here's the, here's the kind of the interesting thing, and you, and you really touched on something great there. With one of the things that I think Trump – it's one of the reasons that I was concerned about Joe Biden – running against him in, in 2016, Trump is just being who he is. He's being genuine. He's being genuine. Mm-hmm. And so many politicians, and, and it's a training thing. It's a learned thing that as you keep going in election after an election and you learn to do this and they're going to come, they're going to come back with you. So you kind of like the nature of being a politician and moving up the ranks year after year, election after election, you, you almost can't help but learn to not be genuine. And how to be like fake genuine, just good enough yeah. so people will believe you. And like Joe Biden has it in spades, or he used to. Oh, yeah. Back in 2016. Oh, that guy's not reading for, from a script. He genuinely believes this, yada, yada, yada. So it's kind of fun in a way to watch Ted Cruz kind of shake those old habits. And they're going to be hard to shake. They're going to be hard to shake. Yeah, no, no. I mean, he definitely shook the whole habits, but so he was doing a brave heart thing at the end but if you're using the same volume for your whole speech as when you yell freedom it just doesn't have the same impact yeah yeah so that's that was kind of my thing you um, need to find those a levels a little bit more on the presentation side 
But the reason I I gave DeSantis high score okay. is because you have to you have to take a look at this guy. He's an Ivy League trained lawyer who is high ranking member of the Navy. He was in JAG and he represented the SEAL team that was in Fallujah and Ramadan and all that. Yeah. So he was like advising the SEAL team on who they could go kill and things like that, right? Yes. So he's got all this experience and now he's governor of Florida. But when he stands up there, I think he learned some of the right things from Donald Trump. He's very plain spoken. He brings it down to simple English that people can understand and puts it in the in like three things. We will not do this. We will not do that. And we're not going to do this. Right. Yeah. So the way he puts it together is great. And he is 100 percent authentic. That's great. Like That's the great. authenticity thing, he and Christy Nome, that is what they have in spades. Well, that's that's awesome, and, and I'm I'm glad that CPAC was a good like launching point and introduction to them for for more of Americans. Here's what uh, Bongino was saying, part of what he was mm-hmm. saying, and it, it was uh, I was on a I was on a oh my goodness I should know the name of this I was on a, someone else's uh, podcast last week. Uh, mm-hmm. And they was live streamed on on Facebook, and it was uh, myself, the host uh, Rob Harper, I want to say, mm-hmm. and one of the other guests was I think this guy was a former speechwriter for for Bush or, or or something. And it's easy for people to get bogged down in in the in the subtle things, and and Bongino mm-hmm. Bongino was saying that that's something that we've been saying here for the longest time. We, we need more people. We need more people. We can have the policy debates. We can talk about the Treaty of 1821. We can talk about this act. That's all well and good. And I love that there's people who want to dedicate their lives to that. The GOP, first and foremost, we got to clean up the voter rolls, clean up the way we do voting, and we need more people. That's just it. Everything, everything else, to, in my opinion, is secondary, is secondary. Mm-hmm. And- the, the the wonderful thing is that we have, you know, the facts are on our side, and and I think that Joe Biden and and what he's doing and these policies, they can have the mainstream media and the legacy media. Everybody can tell you it's going great, it's going great, and isn't it awesome? But listen, it's gonna it's going downhill fast. Fast. It's, it's going downhill. Well, it's just fast. Before before we close out the segment, it was like the whole Syria thing, right? So I wake up to the news one morning, like a week ago, like it wasn't yesterday. It wasn't since I've been at CPAC. It was a while ago, Mm -hmm. week, week and a half. And an Iranian, you know, militia had lobbed some rockets at a base where we have people, contractors and military personnel. And a contract, I think a contractor died and some other people got hurt. And I saw nothing from the Biden administration that day. And I'm looking at my watch. I'm like, yeah, right about now, Donald Trump would have sent some people home in a box. Yeah. Like important people. So like a week later, we dropped some bombs and we killed 12 civilians and might have hit some bad Iranians. Like Iranian, like, what did you just do? Like, first of all, it's too late. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And second of all, all you just did was treat the people in Syria like they're not really Iranian puppets. You have to hit the regime. You don't hit the people in Syria. 
it, it, it ain't good. It no. ain't good. Uh, no, and I, I don't awful. like where it's going. So we just got to continue what we're doing, y'all. And, uh, you know, keep following people and following back and amplifying other people's messages. And we'll, we'll I'm going to say it till the cows come home. More people, more people, more people. When you share content, when you talk to your friends, and you can be genuine about it. You don't have to come across, you don't have to get hot under the collar. Just start raising these. Like, no, what when do you you're think liberal, about that? When your liberal friend said, oh my God, did you see gas went up 60, 60 cents? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I wonder why that is. Can I tell you why? Yes. yes. <laughs> when you stop fracking, gas goes up. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I would even ask them, why do you think that is? Why do you why do you suppose that is? Okay, you guys, so much of we got such a big show, such a big show. Uh, stick around. We're gonna take a break. We're coming back with uh, comedians Brian McKim and Tracy Skeen. We got what's on the web with Paul. We got so much content. We got stuff on Patreon. You're fantastic. We're having a blast. We'll see you after the break. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5000. Enjoy. Everybody, we're stoked. We got two of my favorite comedians on. We got Brian McKim, Tracy Skeen, coming to us from Las Vegas. How are you guys doing? Most excellent. Thank you very we're, much. We're good, but why did you mention Brian first? Yeah, why, right. why didn't I get first? You're so sexist, Michael. <laughs> so sexist. I went alphabetical order. <laughs> there you go. He said thinking fast. <laughs> oh my goodness. How are you guys doing? Uh, you you're you you've been in Vegas this this whole time and like uh so so let's just start there. How how okay. is Vegas right now? Where where are we in the world of entertainment? We had our, our governor uh, did a press conference, I think, about a week and a half ago and said we're going up to 35 percent capacity on all clubs and uh, on venues. And he said we're going to step it up when March 15. March 15. So we're going to move up to 50 percent capacity in March 15, which is two days uh, prior to the first anniversary of lockdown. Yeah, but I, I hear things are we haven't really gone out much, to be honest. I mean, we go out, but we don't go out on the strip anymore because it's too depressing. But we heard that things kind of turned around a little bit on Super Bowl weekend. So they said the crowds were a little bit more normal 
and it's kind yeah. of kept going. So hopefully, I don't know, maybe it's rebounding. I have no idea. And I hear there's a mask revolution going on in spots here, pockets here and there. People are just walking around casinos, and etc. without masks and forcing, basically forcing security to tell them to put the masks back on. Ooh, now we got yeah, some. Because- now we got a little something, something. Where, where's where's yeah, this but- rumored to have happened? Well- Whoa, should we rat out the casinos? Oh, I mean, we've I been hearing it's at the Bellagio and just so apparently people are going in with masks. But then when they get in there, they're kind of just taking them off. And up until this point, they were actually going around and telling people they had to put their masks back on between sips of alcohol. Yeah, that's real. Wow. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, that is I know. Sin City. You I know, think, that's the sin anymore is not wearing a mask. Right, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, really. I think some <laughs> of those, some of those tales might be uh Apocryphal. Some of them might be bots trying to basically just ruin Vegas. Maybe. Maybe. Or it's 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 uh, Governor Sisolak tweeting. Yeah, I don't now, know. Yeah, it's, it's, we hear it's rebounding. Now have oh that that COVID's rebounding or Vegas is rebounding? <laughs> Actually, we're down to nothing, which is really strange. We've just dro- you know the the positive test results have just kind of dropped off the table, and then of course the governor comes out last week and begs people to start getting tested again. Yeah, right. Because I guess this is ruining his narrative if we don't have a lot of positive tests. So here we are. Instead of coming out as a governor and a leader and saying, good news, we're almost back. He's saying, why aren't you people getting tested? Please get tested. We need more bad data. <laughs> that's, I t- that's what that's what really doesn't make sense to me in, in all of this. And, and uh, you know, Stacy and I are talking about the vaccine. But, but, like, it just seems so odd that with a survivability rate that's so big and you don't have symptoms but but like why why are they going so heavy on the vaccine if if you if you're if you're going to be okay that's what i don't understand you know, i have a new theory i i've okay. always thought that this masking and the, and the vaccine was all about control it was always it was about making people be compliant that was my theory all this time and now i'm realizing it's just about making people force other people to be compliant. So we're, I think this is all just training people to be essentially, to police each other. To be snitches. To be snitches and police each other. And I think ultimately, you know, it's funny, we were talking about how now there's vaccine envy. We were just talking about that. People yeah. are getting upset saying, saying that, oh, once I get the vaccine, I can, I can go back to normal, when clearly Fauci and all these people are saying that's not going to happen. They're not even trying to hide it anymore. <laughs> They're coming out and saying it, and these people are still hearing a vaccine is the only way out. And what's going to happen is, they're going to turn on people like me and I have problems with this vaccine and they are the ones who are going to say I'm the reason they're not able to go out to a restaurant. It's brilliant. It's it's, it's elegant in its simplicity. They they are getting basically they're training us to be snitches. I, I started reading 1984 a couple a couple of months ago and I kind of had to stop reading it. And by the way, the only thing they got wrong in 1984 is... was the wardrobe. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. He did not account for side ponytails and leg warmers. He just yeah. didn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else, though, spot on. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's funny. You guys are talking about, like, vaccine envy. And I I totally have, like, COVID envy. I know so wow. many people now who have had it. And they were like, yeah, it kind of sucked for a couple of days. Luckily, luckily, I don't know anybody who's passed away from it. But I've got a handful of friends. Uh, do you guys do you guys know a comedian by the name of uh, Avi Lieberman? Oh, yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. He's in his now, isn't he? Yeah, he's traveling the world because he it's has the Greece. antibodies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's over the ambassador. He's just... well, that's, 
like right out of the gate, right out of the gate when they were like, um, hey, the, you know, COVID is is real and it's everywhere. He got tested and he was in L.A. and he had it. He tested positive for the antibodies before I think it was, quote unquote, in L.A. So which uh, means their whole their whole time frame for this thing. Well, but I'm so I, I'm so jealous of him. He's done. It's what? funny. I think I'm. 90% convinced that I had it a year ago, January, right. um, because we were work. Actually, Brian was working on the strip, which of course on New Year's Eve is just packed. Yeah. And I was actually at a party on New Year's Eve at about four o'clock in the morning. And I laughed at something another comedian said, and something happened to my lungs. And I actually sat up straight and I looked at Brian and I said, that wasn't good. <laughs> and in fact, we were supposed to stay overnight. Yeah, it was weird. We were going to stay overnight, and I said to him, you have to take me home because I think I'm going to wake up sick the next day. I woke up with 101 fever. I had a cough for three weeks. Brian lost his sense of smell. This was all before we had ever even heard about COVID. And so I think it was in a, in uh, Vegas sooner than everybody said. Right. A bunch of people got uh, sick in January at the uh, Consumer Electronics Show. Yeah. So I think it kind of just like went, you know, we have a lot of visitors from China. Yeah, we opined on our own podcast uh, back in March, March 17th, I believe. Yeah. We we, uh, we podcasted the day of the lockdown. And we said, we, we theorized that we had each had it. We, we did subsequently get antibody tests, but they turned out to be negative. Yeah, but then you find out about T-cells. We didn't know that. It's yeah, cross uh, yeah, immunity. We, we, uh, we think that we had it and uh, now we can't prove it yeah but right. at the same time we still, we've been taking our vitamin d from the very beginning we've been taking zinc from the very beginning you know we don't really have any underlying conditions so we never felt in danger but i agree with you it's kind of like i just want to get it over, get it over with. with really it's if like i a, didn't have it i just want to get it over we should with. have had a giant measles party or a chickenpox <laughs> party or whatever they what was it just a yeah. box yeah we should have all gotten together and just breathed in each other's faces for a, an, an evening and then gone home like we used to like we yes. used to yeah <laughs> Yes, <laughs> I'm totally. Now hold on. Um, I, I need the I need the name of the podcast. Our listeners need to know where they can catch you guys on on oh, your we, show. We the Shecky Magazine podcast. We named it after our magazine, which is kind of it's uh what what do you want to call it? Fallow, dormant. Uh, fec, uh what what's the other word? Uh, like moribund. Yeah, we <laughs> moribund. <laughs> we we do it for a while. We actually haven't podcasted since November because it's 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 been really depressing finding this last four months to be much harder than the first four months of this right. whole lot middle four months we were we went we went yet. everywhere we, we went travel back east of maryland we were we, went to bryce canyon just we on monday care. we went to death valley which was which was uh, paradoxically it was very uplifting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay hold on so so the the podcast is is the shecky magazine podcast correct yes. Yes. Okay. Now, how how are we spelling? How are we spelling Shecky? And we're gonna have to give some people some background here. S as in Sam, H E C K Y magazine, one word, Shecky magazine podcast. And if you okay. go back and listen to the earlier ones from March and April, we were a hundred percent right about everything. Everything. <laughs> yeah. We, now, even how we talked about the Diamond Princess like a week into this whole thing uh, and how how they were messing with data, and we don't know anything, but it turns out we were right. It's so. gratifying, <laughs> but it's also maddening to be proven correct on almost everything about this stupid bug. <laughs> Do you want to know something? And and like I'm so glad you guys brought that up because I, I think what it is and like uh, the 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 Gimlet and I have been right ab about everything as well. And 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 I, I so many comedians I know 
are ahead of the curve. And I, I really yeah. think, and I want to know what you guys think about that because it's like we do look, we do look for trends, we do look for uh, truth. Do you know what truth. I'm saying? Just, just yeah, as, we want to, as we're, we're always going to dig down. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we are contrarians at heart, and and it, it is. I'm. I wish I were in your position because I don't. I'm not seeing many comedians that are. All I see is comedians complying, complying, forcing others to comply, or attempting to force others to comply. I mean, exposing read, other did, comedians. Exposing. Yeah. Did you read the diatribe by Shane Moss? That was disgraceful. I thought. No, I didn't. Of, what happened? It was, he he wrote he wrote this lengthy thing about uh, a bunch of nonsense about COVID and Trump supporters and follow the science and and the the odd the, the ironic thing about it was it was it was totally lacking in any kind of scientific uh, uh, basis and it was horrible <laughs> and, and it it was right out of 1984 I mean it was except for the wardrobe except for the wardrobe yeah and, but the, the awful part is he didn't he didn't just sort of lay out his own case he basically I'm, I'm paraphrasing of course but he he wants those of us who think differently to be destroyed yeah he that's, wants that's he wants our part. he wanted our he didn't want people to book us it was really awful not us particularly not us anybody, us, who, anybody who thought disagrees. the way yeah, yeah, anybody, anybody thinks differently from shane moss is now public enemy number one in his book and it's it's very disturbing it reminds me of the mccarthy era. we we used to talk about it 15 years ago on, on our magazine which is sheckymagazine.com which <laughs> we uh, yes. we used to talk about we call, we call it charlie mccarthyism because way back then they were seeking to basically destroy comics that they didn't like didn't think were doing enough that's the yeah. thing now you the know, comedians, they have to you have to be down with, it, the, with the struggle and in fact to kind of pivot a little bit here i was reading an article about uh on vulture i believe it was about oh. brian regan's new uh comedy special on netflix for which we were present yeah we were actually there oh. at the taping back in october and you know i don't know if you're if your listeners are familiar with Brian Regan, but he's always been known as, you know, as a very clean comic, one of the greats. Clever. Clever. Yeah. One of the, everybody thinks he's one of the greats. And the article really wasn't about his material. In fact, the, the, the woman complimented his material, but she was upset because he did not tackle things such as COVID and uh, Trump and all the things <laughs> that she yeah, all the things that she deemed important. And basically, at the end of it, she, she says that, and then she sort of compliments his material, and then says it's not worth watching. Yeah. Because Good he Lord. didn't touch on the, Yeah, because he didn't touch on the subjects that she wanted him to talk about. And that's what kind of we're seeing lately. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of people say that, like, when, when comics come back, when comedy comes back, you know, you're going to need to address these issues because people have changed. Ridiculous. And, and Brian and I just sit there and think, no, people have been indoors. They just want to laugh. Yeah, really. They want to get out yeah. and get they want to get out and get a good laugh. Yeah. And it's it's the it's basically it's the it's the culmination, the realization of my syllogism from about 15 years ago. And that is I said, comedians, if you are expected to say something important, eventually you'll be required to say something important. And that is exactly what is going on. For 20 years now, we've been expected for some reason to toe the line with regard to all these all these policies and uh, we're comedians we don't we don't we don't conform we do the exact opposite but all all that was thrown out the window starting about 15 20 years ago and now this is the end result in fact i've had a comedian dear gentle listeners we have high winds in vegas we lost the internet <laughs> but we're back we're talking with uh, a couple of wacky comedians, very smart people. You guys are listening. Uh, but we were talking about comedians being contrarians, which it seems like there's only a few of us out there. 
Yeah, there, there was a shift about 15, 20 years ago. We we began to notice it, and it was it was it was it, we went from being contrarian to being conformist, or some of us did, and they even started to try to enforce uh, enforce things, uh, force us to talk about things that they wanted us to talk about. And that's not what comedians do. We talk about the things that people don't want us to talk about. It reminds me of the fire sign theater. How do you get a how do you get a, sh- a short head across the street? You tell them to cross the street. How do you get a long head across the street? You tell them not to cross the street. And yeah. we're basically long hairs. And like I said, I don't know if I... I, I said at the time, I, I created what I believe is called syllogism, and I'm proud of it. I said, if if you are expected to talk about certain things, eventually you'll be required to talk about certain things. And that is what's going on now. I don't like yeah. it at all. Not one bit. You know, I'm actually and a little bit. I'm a little bit worried about coming back because all these comics, uh, not for me, because I'm just going to do what I want to do. But a lot of these comics are coming back with this preconceived notion about what the crowds want to hear. And so I'm afraid that when comedy does start coming back, it's going to be nothing but, uh, you know, more Trump bashing than ever. It's going to be a lot of talk about COVID. And I'm afraid that the audiences will just say, this isn't worth it. This is not what I came here for. Well, yeah. it's funny. It's funny that you guys should say that because I've been up against that now for a couple of years because, like, I'm a firm believer in, you know, if everybody zigs, I, I, it's my nature. I want to zag. Yeah. And, and exactly. it's just not, not to be a contrarian, just to be a dick about it. But like, OK, oh. here's a funny point of view you probably don't hear every day. It's wild to watch the clubs. And I'm not going to I'm not going to out the club. People can figure it out. Uh, so C- CPAC is happening this week, and the, right. uh, my buddy uh, Chad Prather, who I, you know, we we did this Freedom to Laugh tour together. I'm like, you know what? Let's do a show down in Orlando for CPAC. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Everything was really great. Uh, the club was on board, and then all of a the sudden, they're like, you know what? Uh, we don't want to do anything political. No one, no one wants to hear anything political. So they pulled the rug out from under us, and there is this weird. When when the clubs start, when the market doesn't decide, listen, hey, if, 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 if I put up a show and we're not selling tickets, that's one thing. But when you decide, here's the official stance of the club and we only want comedians who say this. But like I can kind of understand that in Vegas because Vegas is, you yes. know, it's 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 a vacation. Some people like I don't do any political stuff in Vegas. Very rarely do I because like. That's what that's if I'm out with my lady, I don't I want to feel good. I want to have a good time. You know, if I want to hear dirty stuff, I'll go to a dirty show. If I want to hear political stuff, I'll go. You, you, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it the, the Vegas people come from all over the country and all over the world. And you don't know what you got in the audience. And it really should matter. You just go. go and, if it, and if it's a terrible crowd, they're usually Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are the worst. Serious. They are. <laughs> in Canada, comedy is great, but when they come here, they just tighten up. It's yeah, a very right. strange thing. I love Basically, how I thought you were joking. I love how I thought you were joking. <laughs> and you were telling me, you're like, no, no, Canadians are the worst. They are the worst Oh, my people. God. Brian saw the late, great Tim Wilson perform, I guess, eight years ago. At, Harris, <laughs> at the Improv at Harris, it was a scream. I went there to watch him again, and he went on stage. I mean, the great Tim Wilson goes on stage, pitches a shutout for the first seven, eight minutes, stops, and says, what are y'all, fucking Canadians? 
And don't you know, about a third of them, a third of them raised their hands. I love how they raised their hands. That's hilarious. Now that's what we do. Whenever there's a bad crowd, I'll say to the other comics, I'll say, I'm going to go back up and ask how many Canadians are in the audience. And it's become hilarious. kind of a joke out here that we all do that. I used to play. It turned the set around. That's the important point. <laughs> they were they were good about it after that. <laughs> well, there you go. You have to acknowledge the reality and steer into it. Um, you guys, you've seen the 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 famous uh, Bill Burr in Philly set. We were right? there. We were there. We, we were there. We were there. We were backstage. We were staged left behind the monitors, and we all watched it. it was me and you and Voss and Opie and Anthony and all those crazy. Yeah, people. Jim Norton and Bonnie McFarlane, and we were all and we were all standing there, and it was one of those things. And I'm from Philadelphia, by the way, so I should have been insulted by the whole. Oh no, thing, you, but oh, no, yeah. I was I was howling. And I, by the way, am comedy history because I was the first person when I saw when he said thank you very much, good night. If he said that, <laughs> I, I scurried over to the shoot where they come out after the after the show. And I was the first person to greet Bill Burr. And I said, man, that was fucking incredible. And he looked at me like I was nuts. And he was white as a sheet, whiter than normal for Bill Burr. And ah. he, he allegedly slunk home in the front seat of somebody's car and, and hid. And it wasn't yeah. until later that he realized that it was it yeah, was monumental. Yeah, Brian had said to him, that was history yep. right well, there. Well, not to take anything away from Bill Burr. Okay. Seriously, but but I do want to. Well, it sounds like you're going to. By the way. <laughs> I, I I am having. It's it's like it's like Tim Wilson. You know, he's it, it's going a certain way, and then he acknowledges it. And he goes, "What are you guys Canadians?" And they raise their hands. <laughs> then if you, then if you dip your toe in the water of well, this is what I hate about you know Canadians, and they respond. Then his your instinct as a performer takes over, and I think with 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 Burr, it's just incredible instincts and incredible balls, incredible courage. But to, I guess to watch everybody go up, go up, you know, and have a similar reaction, and then you go up and test the waters with, "Hey, Philly, I'm not afraid of you." You know what? Right. Screw you, people in your stupid town. And then they respond to that. Then you're just looking at your watch. After well, that, that, you're that, just, you're just going, "Okay, can I do this for ten minutes?" That's the thing about Philadelphia too. They actually res we actually respond very well to that kind of behavior. Abuse, abuse. We do. <laughs> we love that. I mean, we are we're, we're we're mean and awful people, but we're also very self deprecating. I think that is one of the problems that people have to come back around to Vegas. A lot of comics have playing Vegas is they don't know how to adjust. When you have fourteen shows in a week, you are going to have fourteen very different crowds, more yeah. so than just say let's playing Detroit because if you're playing Detroit. There's sort of a similarity because mostly everybody is from Detroit. And of course, like we said here, it's it's from all over the world. It's all different ages. And I think a lot of comics come here thinking they're just going to do their set the way they always do it. And yeah. they don't take the time to adjust with each audience. Listen, we got to have a whole conversation. I want to have you guys back and we're just going to have a whole conversation about comedy in Vegas because like it, it's – it is such a great thing, and I think it's a, it's an interesting thing to talk about. I started doing stand-up in Ohio. Then I moved out to L.A., did the L.A. scene for a long time. Now my career has taken me to New York. Like, such a different vibe, but it, it's it's been, I think, very, very good for me as a stand-up. And and when I when I go to Vegas, I definitely hit another gear. I definitely hit mm -hmm. another I made that mistake once. Uh, I went to Vegas and and I was in the the New York frame of mind, you, you know, as yeah. as a comic, 
and uh, was going a different way. And I'm like, wow, that was that was an odd, you know, that was an odd reception. And then I, I switched and hit Vegas gear and it's it's made me a better performer. I think getting yeah. out of getting out of your comfort zone, getting into a different bubble, going from another point of view and and finding the strength in that. And I, I'd say artists and, and what we're talking about with like this expectation of here's what the audience is going to want. There's no pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. There's no pot of gold at the end of that rainbow. It's always going to be the outsider who suddenly like look at Steve Martin's career. Back in the seventies, everybody's going Vietnam, Vietnam politics, politics. He's go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put a, I'm gonna put a, an arrow yeah. through my head and be the silliest yeah. son of a bitch you've ever seen. <laughs> and every election, every election, they say, they say, oh well, America really wants to laugh now. And then they say, they say, and then they say it four years later. They they say it constantly. It's like, well, make up your minds. You know, America wants to laugh regardless of what's going on. It, it it it's almost like external externalities aren't aren't, aren't counted. And by the way, well, I don't. I, I, I'm one of those comedians who doesn't think that you're selling out or pandering if you switch your act up a little bit to appeal to the particular audience that you're playing in front of. A lot of comedians have this idea that you should just always do the same thing. That you're you know be true to yourself. Don't switch it up. And I say part of being an artist in comedy is also being a good craftsman. And I think the craft part comes in when you realize you have to maybe slow things down, speed things up, make it cleaner, make it dirtier. When you're making all of these decisions on the fly yeah. as you're, you know, less New York, um, I think that's all part of our art. And we, we disagree with a lot of comedians uh, have, on that point. I have never. There was a guy that I started with. He came up a little bit after me and he'll know if he listens to this show, he'll know I'm talking about him. But he would have this like these these bits in his act. That he goes, that's a 10 percenter. That's a 10 percenter. He was. And I'm just I'm just dumbfounded. I'm like, so you're writing jokes that only 10 percent of the audience will enjoy. And not only are you doing like I could see doing one of them. Yeah. They're peppered throughout. You do I the know. occasional joke for yourself. That one was for me. Okay, I like that. Yeah. Or yeah. or you do the ten percent or to lead into the ninety yeah, percent right, or just exactly. to, because you want to do more time. Well, <laughs> well or you do the ninety, you do the ninety, and then you and then you do the ten. Yeah, right. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to circle back to quote the great Jen Pisaki about all of this. But like seriously, with with what's going on in the comedy clubs, I, I believe that's just a a, a micro. Uh, it's a microcosm of what's going on nationally. You have you have the media deciding like they decided in 2016 Trump was worse than Hitler. He was worse mm -hmm. than Hitler. He was a devil. And they elicited by baking it in and not and hitting people over the head with it again and again and again that that the voter would have a visceral emotional reaction to Donald Trump, that that he's that he's evil. He's a bad person. And anyone who listens to him is also bad. And, and that and it unfortunately, it worked like a charm. It worked like a charm, and now they're trying to manipulate the off switch. Tina Fey just said, "Yeah, we're going to have a, a a Golden Globe ceremony that's that's politics free. We're tired. Yeah. We're, we know you're tired. It's it's crazy how they decide America's tired of politics when their guy's in the White House. I'm not tired of politics at all.
But they still want the Trump bashing. That happened years after Bush was out of office. It was still Bush's dumb jokes, you know, five, six, seven years yeah. later. I got nothing against Bush bashing or Trump bashing, but it gets old. And I don't think people really want it after a while. They want something new. They want something different. But here's what here's what comics are going to have to consider. A lot of the people right now who want to hear that sort of Trump bashing material are terrified of leaving their home. Right. And when this whole thing is over, hopefully, even after the vaccine, a lot of these people are broken. And I personally think the people who are going to come out to the clubs will be the people who are in the middle and right of center because they were the ones that were never terrified in the first place. So yes. I think a lot of comments are going to go up there thinking, oh, I'm just going to do this great Trump is evil bit. And it's going to be like hitting a wall for them. I mean, I could I, be totally that's the show I want to see. That's the show <laughs> I want to see. I want to be in the yep. back of the room just watching somebody going, you know who sucks? Trump! <laughs> and just watch the meltdown. I was okay. So we're going to have you guys on again very soon. We got to get into this more and more. Everybody has to check out your podcast, uh, which is the Shecky Magazine podcast. They got they got to go to your website. Where are you guys performing next? Where can the listeners see you? We're going to be at the Tropicana first weekend in April. And uh, I'm taping a dry bar the following weekend in Provo, Utah, which will be fascinating. It's a yes. TV special. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm I'm sitting around writing a novel, just, oh, waiting, right. just waiting for the next gig in April. That's all I've been doing is I'm writing a novel for the first time in my life, which oh, is my been fun. We got... We got to get into that. We got to talk about. We got to talk about the dry bar. We got to talk about uh, more comedy. We got to talk about the novel. You guys, thanks so much, and and seriously, gonna have you back again very soon. Thank you, Michael. It's good talking to you. Good, talk good talking to you. You're fantastic, and I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'll talk to you guys later. Tired of paying outrageous prices for Viagra? Well, we have great news for you. Now you can finally get Viagra at huge discounts. Healthy Man allows you to save up to $500 on Viagra. Why pay U.S. pharmacy prices of $15 per pill or more when you can get Viagra for less than $3 a pill? Call today and get 40 Viagra pills for only $99. This can cost as much as $600 at your local pharmacy. You can't afford not to call us. If you want Viagra at the lowest prices, never pay $15 a pill pharmacy prices again. Get Viagra for less than $3 a pill. Call 1-800-516-7602 today and save up to $500 and get 40 pills for just $99. Healthy Man is fast, easy, and affordable. Operators are waiting at 1-800-516-7602 to take your call right now. Call 1-800-516-7602. That's 1-800-516-7602. Again, 1-800-516-7602. It's our favorite segment. Not our favorite segment, but it's up there. We love discussing the internet. We love discussing what is on the loftusparty.com. Hopefully we've got Paul Hare standing by. Hmm. You know it. You love it. It's What's on the Web with Paul. Paul, how you doing, buddy? 
Great, Michael. Glad to be here as always. How are you? Sweet. I'm in a pretty good mood, all things being equal. I'm in a pretty good mood, and I'm always excited about this segment because I always like to find out what you picked. What did you pick? So, Paul, what's on the web? Going to start off with a post I just published yesterday called Treachery and Retribution in Thor versus the Valkyries. Brand new short story I wrote. It's available right now at Amazon. Good news about it. It's only 99 cents. Or if you're part of the Kindle Unlimited program at Amazon, you can go there and pick it up. It's in that program. Meaning you pay a subscription and you just have to pick it up. You don't have to pay for it if you're in that program because you're already paying a subscription. And it's a fun read. It's action-packed. And it's about Thor. He finds out that the group of uh, Valkyries seized his palace, launched a coup against Asgard, and made his lady Sif their slave. So with none of his allies nearby, nearby, the Valkyries vow to crush him before they conquer everything else. But surrender never crosses his mind, and he rushes headlong into the fight, packed with action and drama. It's a quick tale of treachery and retribution with an ending that will leave you smiling or with your jaw hanging. How's that for an elevator pitch? There you go. I, I tell you, you had me, you had me at Thor versus the Valkyries. Excellent. Like that's, that's just, it's a, it's a great premise, dude. That's just, that's, that's fantastic. I think a lot of people are going to want to check it, check out Thor versus the Valkyries. It's, so it's, it's action packed right on our homepage, the loftusparty.com. No swearing, no sex scenes. There's a violence of course in it. And it, you know, it's a little bit, it's, it's for adults, but like I said, people will love it. If you watch any modern action movies, you're going to love it. Pick it up right now. It takes you about 15 minutes to a half hour to read. Okay, fantastic. What else we got? What Speak- else we got? Fiction, speaking of entertainment, we got to go to Lisa K next. Three things racing fans will love about the crew. She talks about um, her enjoyment of racing and how she liked to watch racing with her father. But the other big part of that, the reason why she wrote it, is the crew and somebody we know is involved with the crew on Netflix. Do you know who that is? Uh, I have a, I have, I have, I have some friends over there. You know what I liked about, about Lisa's uh, piece on that, that she, she touched on uh, the logos and the sponsors and how she dug that, like the, the realism and it, and as, and as a writer on that show, uh, we, it was funny. I, I thought there might be some blowback, but listen, it's, it's NASCAR. There's there's sponsors everywhere. That's that's a big big part of that reality. And I thought we were really really fortunate that you know hey there's there's Ford, there's Chevy, there's you know uh, Frito Lay. Like these are real sponsors, and it it looks real. And it, it's it's been crazy to to get a little bit of blowback from some of the uh, TV critics and some of the bloggers who are like wow. The, the product placement is insane. You're like, dude, it's a show about NASCAR. So I'm I'm happy that 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 Lisa uh, and her and her dad, you know, who was a who was a, a NASCAR fan, you know, I'm glad that she dug the show. That's great. That really really means a lot to me. I, I dig it. So for those who still aren't familiar with it, it's on Netflix right now, starring of course Kevin James. So people want to check that out, and they have mm-hmm. Netflix. They can go there, but of course you need to go to loftusparty.com first to read what Lisa K wrote. Yes. Moving on from Lisa K, we're going to Cranky Gordon. Cranky Gordon's post will actually transition into one you wrote, but Cranky Gordon wrote late night Loftus Party commercials. Um, actually, check what I've said before there, but anyway, late night Loftus Party commercials. It's another fun video that Cranky Gordon did, and it's about it's focusing on word salad. 
Um, and if people aren't familiar with word salads, it's when you throw a lot of buzzwords together just to say a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. It particularly applies to our woke culture where you're finding offense at everything. So he wrote another fun post on that. Go to loftusparty.com, read it. It's great stuff. I, I dig those. He's done like a series of them. Yep. And I find them, I find them very amusing. I, yep. I enjoy them. Now, the next post is not tied into that particular cranky Gordon post. So just forget about what I said. But it's forget still, about that. It's one you wrote, and it actually ties into a second one that you wrote. Uh, the, the one you wrote, and actually I, I messed up again, but <laughs> don't worry about that. I'll just let <laughs> that go. But the one you wrote is live CPAC updates, any fireworks we shall see. You covered a little bit of CPAC. That ties into Cranky Gordon and that he was there at CPAC. And I've uh, we have some of his tweets live from when it was live, when he was at uh, CPAC there. And then you also talk a little bit about how Trump was supposed to be there, but the bigger issue was, was well, anybody else going to emerge that's going to be able to be a leader? Yes, yes. And uh, and we we were talking to the Gimlet about that. And it's always it's always interesting. I got I got I got thoughts on the CPAC. I got thoughts on the CPAC. Cool. Well, and we'll, we'll, yeah, read that. And then when people can see Cranky Gordon's tr- tweets as well. The, yes. One of the. If I think the biggest post this week on the loftusparty.com was a post you wrote, wrote called What's Chapping My Ass? Yeah. That's the one that received a lot of interactions at the loftusparty.com and a lot of clicks on that. And what that actually covers is a bunch of different things, including the so-called stimulus bill, which you actually also get into later on new stimulus bill, the mother of all wake-up calls. Mm-hmm. Those two tied together. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think back to to that post, and it ties into other things as well that are going on. Uh, even with, uh, I believe you got something in there about the the January 6th peaceful protest, which, which they keep calling an insurrection, which is a lie. Yeah. And just just re- a lot of people could relate to what you wrote in that. Well, it's funny, you know. I did those. I did those a while back. You know what's what's chapping my ass? Just it's usually like three or four, just like little stories that you know it's it's bugging me. And I'm like, <laughs> some of it was like, oh, that's good. That's about to turn into a stand up bit. I don't know if I want to put that in there. So uh, I thought it'd be a good idea to kind of bring it back. You know, just kind of a, as an exercise. And yeah, the response was fantastic. And and the response to the other one, uh, the new stimulus bill, the mother of all wake up calls, that's been crazy. But like, uh, what's chapping my ass? It's it's been like a good like community starter. The like the 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 comments on it. There's people who are like I'm interested in reaching out to other creators and other filmmakers. Where can I find them? Can I find them here? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So it's like. I'm definitely going to keep moving forward with it because it is – I love that it, it pulls in a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life with a lot of different perspectives, and I, I just dig the community of it all. So that's great. Again, it's found exclusively at theloftestparty.com. Mm-hmm. Now we're going back to the, into a little bit of lighter side of life with Dude Built a Robot Dragon. Yes, it flies, and there's a particular name for that type of – craft aircraft that he built because it's actually flying with flapping wings what's it called again ornithopter that's what it's called and so it's a, it's a video and it will show what he did but but it's, it's pretty neat um and it looks like as far as i can tell it's actually up there flying under its own power in other words it's not a kite 
It's not a, they're not faking it by, you know, putting a jet engine on it or, or, you know, an engine on it and then just having the wings flap. It looks like it's actually flying by way of flapping the wings. Yes. Did you ever read uh, the book Dune? No, but I did, I did watch portions of the, remember the 1980s adaptation of it had Sean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean Young is what I was trying to think of. And then that guy and then Patrick Stewart was in there. I think Sting was in there. Everybody was in it. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, Dune is huge. Dune is, is giant. They're doing another uh, film of it uh, too. But uh, long story short, uh, when they're out mining the spice on the desert planet, they have these little craft that they fly around in to kind of like make sure no giant worms are on their way and, you know, to get workers here and there. But they were ornithopters and they, they were like, they were man-made like metal dragonflies with these wings that flapped really. And it was like insane. But like as a kid, when I read that book, I'm like, that sounds so cool, but it'll never happen. It'll never happen. And then, of course, now technology is caught up. Not only has technology caught up and robotics, this guy, and I'm going to I'm gonna destroy his name, uh, Kazuhiko Kakuda is a, a Japanese dude. And he builds these things as as a hobby, and it's just like fun for him. But he gets, I guess you can, and I'm finding so, so much about it. You can get the motors for the wings, and uh, you know, just a little motor that pounds things up and down, and then you get little control panels. So he builds these fantastic flying machines. I thought he only had the dragon. Then I'm checking out his YouTube channel. He's recreating stuff like that practically is from Dune. He's built Falcons, and these are realistic. He's built all kinds of different flying machines. And then the exciting thing for me, because I'm still eight years old at heart, is like, wow, if you could do this, if you can if you can build it on it's just a matter of scaling it up. It's just a matter of scaling it up to to have you could literally like like in Blade Runner they had robotic animals in Blade Runner that was kind of a big thing but you could literally you could build a giant flying dragon and have it breathe fire I want him to do that I want that to happen I want that to be a reality I just I think it's fantastical and awesome once that happens of course we'll have calls for common sense dragon control but that's right? a different story right the founding fathers, the founding fathers covered <laughs> flying dragons. That's that's the Second Amendment right. Do we have time for one more? Yes, of course we do. We'll make the time, damn it. We are ready for near replicant. I guess you pronounce it as near. Is that right? Or is it near? Yes. It's near, near replicant. Near. So yeah. it kind of is like a play on words. It's not spelled N-E-A-R, but it, you know, I guess it's it's supposed to kind of make you sound like that. I've never played the video game. Um uh, apparently, it's the latest in a series of near video games. Is that correct? It is the second in a series. Okay, there's second. a very there's an odd and like I don't know my facts and I can't I can't tell you the game's developer right out of the gate. But they did this very interesting thing. There was the original game that came out, uh, and I believe it was only in in Japan. It was like for the PlayStation Two, blah 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 blah. But there was multiple endings to it, and the fifth ending had this, it's all very dystopian and androids and blah, 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 blah. But they took one of the endings of that and did a sequel to it, and that was called Near Replicant. Then there's also a sequel to Near Replicant called Near Automata. And Near Automata is where I jumped in. And it was, pro- it's probably the best game that people have not played. 
It is it's a top down shooter. It's a side scroller. It's a first person shooter. You keep switching between uh, gameplay and styles of gameplay. The story is fantastic. The artwork is off the charts. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the cosplay, and there's a there's an android character, and she's the the hero of Near Automata. Her name is Two B, and if you want to see, it's just it's just some of the best cosplay ever. Ever, ever anybody who's any any girl who's who's worth her salt in in the world of cosplay has probably done uh, a Near Two uh, B cosplay. So what they've done is they went back and Near Replicant was only released in Japan for the PlayStation 3. And then people can get copies of it. You could play it on your, your PC. They've remastered it. They've, they've gone through. They've, they've roughed. They've, they've made it look a little bit better. And it's going to be coming out for the PS4. And I am stoked. I love the shifting gameplay. I love the top-down shooter. Then it's a side-scroller. Then it's first-person. And then you're doing this boss battle. Then it's first-person. And then you get then in the middle of the boss battle, it'll it'll change to to uh, top-down. It's so much fun. And the stories are great and quirky, and and weird. And and in the greatest sense of anime, the stakes are really high. I just dig it. I just dig it. And it's interesting you brought up anime because it does have a very anime look to it. So yeah. people who are interested in anime and video games, probably going to be one they want to check out. Yeah, and just like the art direction. There's there's games out there, God of War. There are God of War, and I'll say this too, uh, about um, the latest uh, Zelda game that was an open world game. You can pause these things and go, okay, I could print that out. That's literally, it's suitable, That's that's art. That's suitable for hanging. You could put that in a gallery. You could put it in your home. Uh, near Automata, Near Replicant looks like it has that. Uh, God of War certainly has that. Zelda, this last one had it. It's fantastic, and I'm, I'm keenly, I'm very interested in in uh, in that. This we could do a whole podcast just on the look of video games and storytelling and how they do it. But uh, fantastic. Do can I pick one now? You can. I mean, it's your show. Just one thing. If you want to ever do a podcast on video games only, you can get me on to talk Atari 2600 through 7800, and I can go on for a while about <laughs> That's that. That's great. That's a separate podcast. But yeah, go ahead. Pick up. That's great. Um, I, I found, and I'm just going to say this because it's. I, I just find it interesting, and it, it just it amused me to no end. We, we've got a Sports Illustrated swimsuit shoot with Kate Bach, and I'm I'm going through... And the algorithm suggests for me to look at this. They go, oh, we think you'll look this. Kate Bach, for, for Sports Illustrated, she always wears something gold. Like, that's her thing. That's her, her little niche. She's absolutely beautiful. They've got a photo shoot of her, and, and all she's wearing is, is chainmail chaps that are made out of gold. And you're like, this is something I never would think, think I would ever see in my life. But if, if And you need to see it. Kate Bach rocking nothing but golden chainmail chaps. It is, let's just say, the functionality of these things is not there, but they look phenomenal. It's it's a great it's a great week. It's been a it's, there's always great stuff at theloftestparty.com. This segment's fantastic. You know who she reminds me of a little bit? She looks like a prettier Farrah Fawcett. That's who she looks like a little bit. You know what? It's funny, but like the, there's um. Uh, and I'll say this before we, we get out of here and get and get back to the show. 
there was an actor and photographer and artist, John Derrick, who was in the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. And he was famously married to uh, Bo Derrick. And then he was also married to a girl who was on a show called The Big Valley. Her name was Linda Evans. And they look like they could be sisters, but he was also le- also romantically linked before that to Ursula Andrus, who they all three look like uh, like um, sisters. And it's it's very weird, and it's interesting to me that Hollywood there's a certain type of look that always seems to come along. And 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 just it just works for whatever reason. If you look at Marlon Brando and go side by side, Marlon Brando with a very young uh, Burt Reynolds, they could be brothers. Marlon Brando started to gain weight and then boop, he was replaced by Burt Reynolds and they could be brothers. The same thing is true uh, with uh, James Dean. James Dean passes away and this young guy Paul Newman, who they could be brothers. So it's like it's there's there's it psychologically there's something weird going on there. But but I I dig what you're saying, Kate Buck. Yeah, she definitely does have that Farrah Fawcett vibe. And listen, I got no problem with the Farrah Fawcett vibe. That's a good vibe. You brought up Ursula Andress, and I know I'm dragging things out, but everybody associates her with Doctor No, of course. But she she was in the movie She, which was the adaptation of H. Ryder Haggard's huge selling book, which was written back in the 1800s. Also good movie. I saw it a long time ago, so I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I enjoyed it. Anyway, yeah. that's just an Ursula Andress trivia. Anyway, yeah. before we get out of here, got to tell people again, go to theloftestparty.com, look up my post, Treachery and Retribution in Thor versus the Valkyries. That way you're going to find the link to Amazon, buy the book, helps me out. Dig it. Yeah, go pick up a copy of Thor versus the Valkyrie. Get it on your Nine cents. You what are you doing? How do you not? It's like it's less than a cheeseburger at McDonald's. Okay, Paul, have a great day, buddy. Thanks for telling us what's on the web. Thanks, Michael. Okay, everybody. This is one of those supersized shows. We had such a great time with Brian McKim and Tracy Skeen and and what's on the web with Paul. Holy smoke, we're going to just skedaddle right over. We're going to skedaddle right over to Patreon and the extra content over there. We hope you'll join us. But if you don't, you know we still love you. Woohoo! Have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon. Woohoo!